whole piece of Tuesday. Tuesday. I got food up in the fridge. Welcome back to Book It. Book It is a small group of two plus you. And so, yeah, three. Thanks for listening. And it is a thin crust conversation on deep dish books. And so I'm joined today by Rhonda. Hi. Yeah, this isn't your first time. No. Yeah. Do you remember what you did last time? Yes. I, uh, yes, it was the Brothers Karamazov where oh, I could yeah, not that was, pronounce any of the Russian names. That's a deep dish book, though. It was a deep and dish so book. And so we had you back because you just nailed it. You nailed Russian literature. So now we're going to go and uh, stateside and we're going to do American author today. Yeah. One who, of my favorites. Who Barbara, we got? Barbara Kingsolver. And it's her most recent book. It came out October of 2022, and it's Demon Copperhead, which is a modern retelling of Dickens' David Copperfield. I had to think about that. I know a guy named Damon, and occasionally I will call him Demon. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's disparaging, but that's what's going on here, right? The guy is Damon, but he gets this nickname Demon. Yes. Not it, a bad name. Not a bad nickname. It, it's, it's a different one for sure. <laughs> it, it actually almost made me hesitant to read the book because I wasn't sure what that was all about. It was like a horror novel I, or something. I, yeah, I just, I just wasn't sure and I didn't want to get into, you know, but it's not that. It, it's not that at all. It's, um, and taking on Dickens is, that's brave. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to take a Dickens novel that everybody loves. Uh, Dickens, that's his favorite book that he wrote. I think it's most people's favorite yeah. Dickens book. So that's book. his favorite, I, I don't know, biographers say that that's his favorite book. Yeah, I, I believe it. It's it's beloved. And so then Barbara Kingsolver says, you know, I think I can do a modern retelling of that. And Well, hold on. Before we get into the modern retelling, you said that you read a lot and you <laughs> write a lot. Uh, you said this is your favorite author. So why and like what is another book that she's done? Because she's really popular. I remember seeing her stuff on our bookshelf growing up. Like I guess my mom was reading it, but I never pulled one down. But they're just like her books are everywhere. So what is something that got you into her lane? Well, first, I think I want to address the fact that you just compared me to your mom's age. So thanks for that. No, it's just, we had books all over the house. And I just re- <laughs> I distinctly remember. Like, like my mom read those. Well, so sometimes I'd pull the books down and I'd read them. Sometimes I wouldn't. But I distinctly remember <laughs> – hers because one a lot of times they had fairly creative titles that yeah. would like draw you and you didn't know what it was and then two her name is weird it, it it's is a strange name it seems like a made-up name but it's not right um my so i got started with her on um the book that probably most people um know her for which is the poisonwood bible and that's the one in the bookshelf because i was like is this a religious book that's probably why i didn't pick it up it's like oh that's probably like a bible i don't want to read that because i was yeah, a kid that I sounds know. boring yep and then it probably was different. Yeah, it was. Well, it was. I mean, there was that. I, I think all of her, all of her books have like a spiritual undertone. Mm. Um, there's a tension there. Of uh, they're definitely not. I wouldn't call them Christian fiction by any stretch. But but there's a tension of is there a God? Who is God? And is he good? Or it, you know what what role, if any, does he play in things that she does to her characters? So. Um, and then Poisonwood Bible, is that the one about weirdo missionaries? Uh, yes, yes. Uh, they can't, it, the father of this family can't really get his own missionary gig because he's, you know, um, technical term, kind of wackadoo. And um, so he decides that he has been called, his family has been called. And so he packs up his family, uh, which consists of his wife and 
four young daughters and just heads to Africa, builds a hut, and knows absolutely nothing about anything. And their lives are in genuine danger most of the time, and um, and he's fanatical. Um, his school lean for the for his daughters and punishment and consequences just almost anything is copying pages out of the bible and so that makes that you know super fun for the girls mm-hmm. to you know rely on and all of that and um, um it's kind of a harrowing story that takes place over several years and uh follows them uh follows them through their perils and whatnot and one of the things that I liked about that book and made me such a fan of Barbara Kingsolver's is that each chapter takes the perspective of a different daughter, and they're all very different. Uh, one is uh, like super smart, and she writes and speaks backwards and forwards, and um, she it's, she just has some unusual talents and. Um, Anyway, it, it's very it's very good. So, so you jump on that book, which has gotten wide commercial success and mm-hmm. critical acclaim. I think the, this author has said before that she's like cursed with fame. Like she never wanted to be famous or celebrity, but her books mm-hmm. are good enough that they made her that. Um, and so you're on that lane. She has a bunch of good books out. So this new one comes out. You're really excited probably if it's your favorite author. Yeah. Like you're thrilled. You pick it up quick. You have probably a hardback copy, something like that. <laughs> yeah. I, well, I did um, – don't hate me, but I did get it on Kindle because um, then I can pour, it's portable everywhere yeah. and and uh, and that. So I did read it on audiobook. I also listened to some of it on um, or I, on yeah. I also listened to some of it on audiobook, and I do recommend that the um, the guy that reads that the story does a f- fantastic job. So I like going back and forth. So that yeah. way when I'm in my car, I'm hearing the story. And then when I'm home, I'm reading it. And yeah, it's that's never, how I get through big books. Never been easier to read a big book because you can <laughs> you don't have to hit pause very often. You can get through it pretty fast. Right. So what are we looking at with this book, um, the David Copperfield retelling or whatever? It is, um, her scope is huge. It's, um Dickens wrote to make people socially aware of the ills that were going on in society. You would think that people would see all of the orphan children and workhouses and things back in in those days, but they willfully didn't. And the genius of Dickens is that he tells these charming stories, but that are also shocking and eye-opening, and we can't pretend like we don't see what's happening to these orphans. And um, Yeah, it's like Oliver Twist. We always picture it as a cartoon, this sweet little boy Oliver. And it is that, but then it's also like he's basically enslaved and having to do terrible things and become a thief because there's nowhere else for him to go in society. And he's like under the thumb of this evil person. Like, right. And so you read it and you're also like, that's not right. That's really yes, corrupt. That's really corrupt. And same with David Copperfield, like this orphan who has no no means of protecting himself is just passed along um, as a commodity and, and uh, working. And that's the case with Damon. Damon is born to a drug-addicted teenage mom, and his 
his life starts out with a promise that he'll never drown because he was born inside the the call, as they call it, C-A-U-L, did I say that right? Um, but basically still inside the amniotic sac. And uh, he live, he's born in the Appalachian Mountains. That's where everything takes place. And, so this is a um, modern retelling. Yeah, born in the like probably late 80s, early 90s. Oh, very modern then. Very modern. Okay. And so one of the townsfolks who is someone who is a positive figure in Damon's life says that that in telling him as he grows to be a little bit older that that's a blessing that he'll never drown. And um, so he hangs on to that as like one positive thing he can think of when everything else is terrible. His mom fights addiction and gets involved with an abusive man and um, but they are they're both abuse physically abused verbally abused and um, that causes her to fall deeper into her addiction and uh, she dies and the moment that she dies and Damon's biological father also died before he was born the moment that she dies, Damon stops being a child and becomes inventory. And so he enters into the the uh, the system, the foster care system, and everyone he's passed to, it just gets worse and worse. It's um, people that are, and we know, and you know, we know that there are lots of people who are in the foster care system because they genuinely care for kids. So this story is just not about about those yeah. um, those wonderful people, but in this situation, in this impoverished area and uh, systemic, I think, impoverty, poverty, uh, they get into it for a five hundred dollar a month paycheck that they think they're going to do, but then he requires food and clothing and things, so. It doesn't always turn out to be as lucrative as they thought it was going to be, and so they find ways to put him to work doing terrible things. He's in fifth grade and is, like, accidentally working in a meth lab Hmm. and making money to cover his food for his foster family. (laughs) And um, there's at times it it gets a little bit difficult to read because you're like, can anything go right for this kid? And... Uh, sometimes there's a glimmer of hope that someone genuinely cares. Uh, there's a social worker who genuinely cares about him and is trying to give him this dream of someday this will be better. Uh, but until she has the conversation with him that she decided to take a teaching job because it pays more and mm-hmm. you know she needs to get out of an apartment where she has to have a roommate and this is just going to be better for her. And so he just feels utterly abandoned by her. He eventually ends up in a situation that seems like it's going to be much better. It's the home of the local hero high school football coach and his daughter. And he sees in Damon um, a possible football star and starts working with him really young, gets him onto the football team as like one of the youngest players that actually gets to start in there. And there for a moment, he gets a little bit of glory because he is really good at football. 
um, until he gets injured. I was gonna say, I bet he gets hurt. Yes, <laughs> and yes. Then he's thrown out. I know, yeah. I know. And and then at that point, he really doesn't serve a purpose for the coach anymore. Coach doesn't kick him out, but he just doesn't give him what he needs. And part of the institutionalized poverty of that area. He needs an MRI. He needs surgery. And those things, appointments are going to take weeks and weeks. So then we introduced Damon to uh, OxyContin. Mm. And so Purdue Pharma is a huge evil character in the book. And um, and then we see uh, Damon going down that path of addiction and um, following all the different things that it takes to keep an addiction going. I, there, there's a there's a time where Damon says, because it, it's written in his voice, and he's telling his story, and he says, you know, you, you can call addicts a lot of things, but you can't call them lazy because it is a lot of work chasing mm. that dragon or whatever, you know, he calls it, and trying to, you know, come up with different ways of, of that and and that's what we see him just desperate and and he you know I've I've never I'm not I've never done illicit drugs or you know had that high feeling so I I don't know for sure but it sure felt like it was a pretty good description I think they probably talked to some people who had maybe fought addiction before um, as he would describe he described it as monsters. Like he would try, he would try to go without, and the first monster might be like some shaking or sweating, and then mm. it was nausea, and then it was, you know, if he didn't get help, it was going to be losing control of his bowels, and mm. just this horrific cycle every day of trying to stave off the monsters and um, and and all of that. The one bright thing that he has throughout is he's a pretty good artist. So David Copperfield ends up being a writer and um, Damon is has incredible art skills. And um, at one point while he is in school, a, a couple of teachers take notice of him. An art teacher in general really takes him under her wing and um, helps him develop his um his skill, his craft. He's very into, for a long time, superheroes. Like he's looking for a rescue. Hmm. And so he tries to create them from the people that he sees, and then he'll create them into a superhero and give them superpowers and things like that. And um, yeah, I don't want to give too much away, but yeah. like eventually comes up with a cartoon strip that gets some local notice and, and yeah. goes on and, you know. So even that, though, that's interesting. So he's behind the eight ball at every turn. All these relationships are transactional. Mm-hmm. But then the means out of some of the systemic stuff is also somewhat transactional. Yeah. Like you happen to be someone with a talent, and that's your way out. And while that's good, and that happens in society, and we celebrate that, it's also like, shouldn't it just be easier to have a way out? Like, there shouldn't need to be a way out of these things yeah. through your talent and it should just be you're treated well or we treat each other better. Or, yes. Uh, we have systems in place where people can get the care they need no matter their talent level. So, it, yeah, it seems like she gets into some pretty deep stuff. That is uh, interesting, too, the the modernization of it. Because, again, if you go back and read Dickens, it makes sense to you. But it's also, especially in a Western world, how we are with certain things. It's like, eh, we don't treat our kids that way. Right. But then, like, you read something like that, like, we kind of do. 
I love that yeah. they use sports as part of it because it's like sports culture seems good. Uh, it's healthy. It's celebrated. But then like you can get into it in a way where it's like conditional love and it's ugly and it's mm-hmm. uh, there's verbal abuse. And uh, yeah, so I, I think that sounds really compelling that she kind of took it. Does she, in your estimation, I think I know what your answer is going to be, but I'll ask anyway. Does she succeed? Like is this a success? And um, this You said taking on Dick, Dickens is a big deal. Does she pull it off? I think she really does, and I think the bringing it into the modern time it it does the same unveiling that it would have to Dickens' initial you know early readers as like I can't pretend like I don't see this you know, anymore, yeah. and I, you know honestly not knowing a whole lot of the Appalachian history, um, I mean a little bit, but not it, it just seems like the way she describes it, it just seems like such a difficult place to um, escape, whether that's staying there and and doing well for yourself or, you know, leaving it so that you can go on to do bigger and better things. And there are so many characters that you come to care about. And I mean, Damon is the main character and he's the orphan and he's the, you know, the one that starts out completely innocent and just given up just given a a bad start in life and, you know, really difficult. But very few of the characters really thrive throughout throughout the story. Some of them don't even survive. (laughs) Like systemic. It's like this football coach who's doing wrong by Damon. Not probably if you traced him back and wrote his own version of this. It's like, oh, well, he was put behind the eight ball too. And it's just like – a bunch of people and then the cycle repeats and that's where you get these systems in place. Like it's not even their fault and you want them to be better, but then also like, what are you going to do? Cause that guy started out with a bad hand and then yeah. his father started out with a bad exactly. hand and his father. And then it's just like the sins of the father. And that's, that's why sometimes reading these books is so great because they empower people to make change. But then sometimes they're depressing because you're like, how do you dig out of that? It, it's not, it's not an easy fix, and I and I you know I know that a lot of th- good things came out of Dickens' writings and and um, unveiling of some of the bad things that were going on. But it can't. It's not an overnight thing, and and it feels it feels too big mm-hmm. to tackle, except for the, like the little snippets that are the what one person can do for one person, mm-hmm. and if you break it down into that level and this kid was never touched in a positive way and when he was unfortunately it wasn't by in in a healthy manner and but it was such a foreign coveted thing that he really wanted that that also you know kind of took him down a, a, a dark path but those who really did, the art teacher who really saw something in him, uh, her husband who uh, also taught him about his background and history about Appalachia and taught him how their county kind of came to be. It was a mining county, and when the mines left, Mm. they went from having to get everything from the company store to no store and figuring it out and, and all of that. But the the people who along the way took an interest made such an impact that it was 
it was enough to keep him going and, you know, eventually get into a better, a, a better situation. Yeah. Um, so we know you like this author, so this might be a little bit biased, but on Book It, we like to rate the books, and that tells people who listen what they should read and what they shouldn't, maybe. So we do it with the old Book It system, Personal Pan Pizza. You read books or lie about reading books. You get a certificate. <laughs> you trade it for Personal Pan Pizza. On Book It, we go zero Personal Pan Pizzas. You got no certificate. That thing is terrible. It's garbage. No one read it. We haven't had a zero yet. I, I bet today's not the day. Uh all the way up to a five. A five is you get five personal pan pizzas. You can invite people in. You, you got a personal pan pizza party. So where do you rate this thing? Zero to five, anywhere in between. And you can throw toppings on. You can do whatever you want with it. What do you give it? Okay. Well, I would give it I would give it either a strong three, like a 3.9, or you know maybe go ahead and do it over to a four because – Heck, she took on Dickens, and let's, yeah. let's give, give her some bonus points. Yeah, let's give her some pepperoni. That's how, that. I mean, that's how they do Olympic scoring, right? Well, she yeah. tried the quadruple axle, right, so right, yes, yeah. she didn't quite land it, but she tried the quadruple axle. Yeah, so yeah, we're, yeah she didn't just try a cartwheel. Yeah, yeah. Um, it it is it is. There's a there's a part where I I think it gets a little bit draggy, um, but then and and you really don't know until the last two or three chapters which way this is this is going to go i i don't need a book to have a quote-unquote happy ending for Mm -hmm. me to like the book i really like realism and but i did not have it figured out what was what was going to happen i i had thoughts of he's writing from a prison cell Mm -hmm. he's writing from a rehab he's and you're going to get that at the end you get the big reveal of like Kind of at least a snapshot of where his life is now, yes. so to speak. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So we'll call that a four. We'll call it a four. Because he puts graphics on. Maybe that'll make it easier for him or something. Uh, <laughs> or little chimes or something. Three. But I don't know how you do a point nine chime. Yeah. Uh, so four is pretty strong rating. So you think it applies to a lot of people. A lot of people enjoy it. Fairly easy read. But yes. a tough read because it's going to draw you in. Yes. Yeah. I think I read that it is the most requested book at the um, Daniel Boone Regional Library right now. Okay. So a lot of people are reading it, and it's worth definitely worth your time to read it. All right. Well, there's a strong recommendation. Uh, if you want that book, maybe just go to Barnes & Noble or something or order it online because you're not getting it at the local library. You're not apparently. getting it so, at the library, yeah. Uh, Rhonda's got all the copies <laughs> checked out. She's got like a side hustle. She loans That's it for right. a buck or yeah, something. I have yeah. 17 library cards. That's so. right. That's the way to do it. Uh, so we'll be back next time with a different book and maybe a worse book next time because, I mean, that's a glowing review. So we'll find something worse, I promise, and then we'll join you for another small group. Thanks for joining us. Y'all keep looking for that new wave. I think I like it how it is.